You're listening to 1881, powered by the American Hereford Association and part of the Hereford Network. Here's your host, Shane Bedwell. Welcome back to 1881, the American Hereford Association podcast. I'm host Shane Bedwell, and we're very excited about the outpouring reaction to our first uh, episode of 1881 with Jack Ward. Uh, we certainly appreciate the feedback coming back from all of our listeners, and we're very excited to continue our podcast and the journey of what it will be with 1881. Uh, this episode, our second episode, uh, we get the opportunity to visit with one of the best commercial cattlemen uh, in the business right now, and that's uh, Mr. Anton Hermes uh, from Lyman, Colorado, and he's going to share a little bit about um, how Hereford genetics have worked for his operation. And, uh, just to give a little bit of insight in, uh, what I'm going to say is maybe a, not a typical cow calf operation, but I think it's going to have a lot of relatability to several of you out there, um, that are maybe considering using Hereford genetics either for the first time or repeat, uh, uh, customers of Hereford genetics. And so, we're really excited to have Anton with us today. Anton, why don't you give us a little bit of background about uh, yourself and uh, where it all started for you? Well, it's good to be here, Shane. Um, you know, I've I've uh, kind of had a different circle than most. I didn't grow up on a ranch. Uh, my dad's a general contractor in the Front Range of Colorado. Um, I spent a lot of time on my grandpa's place growing up, and uh, that was where I got my love for cattle and for ranching. And when I got out of high school and went to college, I wanted to focus on that the rest of my life. It made it pretty easy. So we grew up in uh, the front range there of Colorado, a little town called Elbert. And when I got uh, out of high school, I went to school at Sterling at NJC. And when I got done there, I took a feedlot job in the Panhandle, Nebraska. And about a year of that was enough for me to know that at the feedlot, was not where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. <laughs> I bought now, but I didn't want to work there full time. Right. So, so after that, I I met my wife, and she graduated from CSU. Uh, we got married a week after she graduated, and we moved to Wyoming and and worked on a large cow calf operation up there. Ran about thirty five hundred mother cows, and uh, started to get more into the management side. Uh, started to emphasize a lot on the genetics. And after about five years of being there, uh, we wanted to move back to Colorado. And we found an opportunity where we could manage a ranch and a feedlot for uh, a producer and start our own cow herd. And so that's what we did about 12 years ago. We came down back down here and moved to the Eastern Plains. And we started uh, growing our cow herd and managing theirs. and got to the point their kids got old enough to take over and we were fortunate enough to buy a ranch and and uh, put enough lease ground together to run our own operation to sustain our family you know i i think that's a neat story right there in itself anton that uh it's pretty intimidating for young people that maybe don't have the background or you know the the family operation to necessarily necessarily go back to they find a passion just like what you did um, you know, growing up kind of around it, but, uh, learning 
you know, as you went through college and, and being immersed in, in the opportunities, but just the capital outlay that it takes today, uh, to go buy ground or even lease ground, uh, let alone the input costs, feed costs, and, uh, the capital that it takes to buy cows today to get a ranch started. And so, um, that, that's a pretty neat story. So tell us a little bit more about that, how that, that agreement kind of worked as you were helping manage that operation, but building your, your cow herd at the same time. You know, I, I was pretty fortunate. They were a real generous family and, uh, and they let me start buying cows. And at the time, um, I had an uncle that ranched over there in the front range and he had room to take on, uh, about 125 extra cows. Mm-hmm. And so what we did when we first started out is we went and got a loan and bought 125 cows and he would calve them out for us. And then we'd help take care of them in the summertime. And then that way I could focus on my job that I had. But as the operation kept growing, we started leasing more ground close to the house and running them and calving them right there by us. And, uh, when, uh, we decided to buy our first place, um, I wanted something with the potential to build a grow yard on because I really enjoyed feeding cattle and I really enjoyed developing heifers. And that's where we wanted to put our emphasis. So when the opportunity came to, we, we uh, bought a place that had a few pins on it and uh, started adding to them. And, and now that's probably the emphasis of our operation. Yeah, we have a cow-calf operation, but, but the heifer development and the heifers that we buy and sell and our own is, is probably our number one cash flow mechanism right now. Very good. So tell us a little bit about your family. I know you touched on uh, your wife there a little bit. Uh, you met her, um, you know, during that process uh, as you were as you were moving uh, and and doing different things. But uh, share a little bit about your family. Well, my wife uh, grew up on a on a small ag operation in southern Idaho, right there by the Snake River, and they had cows and calves and irrigated irrigated alfalfa ground. And she came to school out here, and luckily, I I ran into her a time or two, and and uh, here we are today. But we have five children. My oldest is sixteen, and my youngest is eight years old. And they keep us so busy. I don't know how <laughs> we have time to take care of everything else we've got going. But uh, they're real into sports. Uh, they like to show hogs. They like to show steers. Uh, we rope quite a little bit. Uh, they've all got their own horses and we use them on the ranch quite a bit. So it's kind of a juggling act between church and sports and school. And it, it, it's a, it's amazing. We get anything done. Well, you got some built in help though. It sounds like, and so probably some pretty good help uh, at the ranch. That's a fact. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing when, when they were little, you know, we spent more time helping them. Now, every spare minute they got, they're asking, what can we do next? And, Mm -hmm. you know, yesterday afternoon I got home and they were out screwing wood boards up on a windbreak we built. And my daughter, who's 15, drove down the road and rolled a bale alfalfa out for some cows. They're getting ready to calve. And she got back, grabbed the tagging box, went and tagged two heifers calves. And uh, I'm just going, wow, we don't even have to tell them what to do anymore. I'm, I'm ready for retirement. Well, that's a good sign you're raising kids right right there. Um have uh, the initiative to to get after it and uh that's that's the best part about growing up on a ranch is that uh 
you, you, you got to learn and, and learn pretty quickly or, um, you're not going to stay around. <laughs> it's just, uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's great. So the operation today, you kind of shared a little bit about it. You've got a cow calf operation, um, you know, and I think you do quite a bit of work in, in several different States. Um, uh, but your heifer development, uh, program, let's, let's talk a little bit about what that's all about. So our heifer development program got to start uh, about six years ago. We decided to keep all of our heifers one year because we AI'd all the cows. And when we got done, I thought, man, that's a really good product. I'd hate to see those heifers enter the food chain. And so when when it came time to sell them um, as replacements that fall, instead of put them on the truck to head to the feed yard, uh, I made a few phone calls of people I know that buy heifers every year and they came and looked at them. Well, those same people bought them, they calved them out. And I got feedback back that said, you know, those baldy heifers that we bought from you were some of the best heifer, best cows we've ever had. We really like those cattle. They bred back good. And so it just triggered with me, you know, maybe, maybe there's a need for replacement cattle. Not everybody keeps replacement heifers. Heck, I've got a neighbor that runs over a thousand cows and they buy every, every cow they have comes as a three or four-year-old in their operation. Every female they have gets on the truck um, as a calf and goes to the feed yard. So I thought maybe I could be that guy out here in Eastern Colorado that could supply everybody with the top end genetics and make a product everybody wants and add some value along the way. So that's how I got that start. So I started to procure, I didn't have enough cattle to fill all the demand I had for the bread heifers. So I started to source them from other operations that I knew were not keeping very many heifers, but were buying front end bulls or that we were AIing their cows for them. And they'd let me go in and sort the front end out. Well, we'd go in and set those cattle up and we'd breed them to a Cavanese bull that was going to make pretty good females on the backside and then have the opportunity to buy those back. And so it's just generated and, and it's like a wheel it's going downhill. At first it was kind of hit and miss. And now uh, my mm-hmm. phone rings all day, every day. Hey, I found some heifers you need to come look at, or, Hey, I've got a guy that needs mm-hmm. a load of bread heifers. And, and that's really uh, turned into our program. And, uh, we're, we're just trying to add to it and make it better every year. Yep. So the, the reputation aspect, uh, just like anything in the cattle business, uh, you create a good product and, uh, that product gets out in the business, uh, people are going to come back and, uh, and, and want to buy it. So that, uh, that's very good. So, I mean, those heifers, uh, that you're, you're either raising or you're, you're, you're buying, um, you know, you're developing them, you're AI in them. Uh, these, these heifers, uh, when you're selling them as bred females are, are you syncing them up, uh, anyway, as far as, okay, here's a, here's a load of bred females that are all bull bred or, um, any ultrasound data with that or uh, so the way we uh, manage that side of it is we try to hit three target calving dates and so we'll set cattle up uh, to breed them the first of may hoping for an end of january first of february calf and we'll set them up depending on where their location is Um, we have several different locations where we have these heifers at Um, if we put them on an mga protocol or if we're going to put cedars in them, but then we'll, we'll bring those heifers into estrus there about the first of May. And then the heifers that don't show a heat, 
on that first cycle, we'll move them back two weeks and reset them up. And then we'll have some younger cattle that we'll set up about the 1st of June. That way, if somebody's looking for a February to March 15th calver, um, uh, we can fill that, uh, fill that need. We like to, uh, we have a breeding business and we use double breeding barns. I'm sure you're familiar with them. Yep. And we set up a lot of cattle for people. So we have to kind of juggle our schedule uh, with that other business. And that month of May, from the 1st of May to about the 15th of June, it's, it's pretty hard to squeeze any more in than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we set those cattle up uh, and then we'll turn out the bulls to where that for about 35 days. And so we'll catch the front end of those heifers fertility wise. And then the heifers that don't make the cut, we'll make feeder loads out of them and ship them in the fall. And so we go in in about 90 days and we'll ultrasound those cattle and we'll find the heifers that were AI bred and we identify them and then we'll have the bull breads and then we can market them in in different groups. And uh, we have different sources for our marketing, but that way we can, we can put those heifers into individual lots. Yep. So if a person is interested in uh, getting a set of bred females from you, I mean, uh, what's, what's the best way? I mean, uh, we can share your contact information here uh, later on in the show, but uh, is it just reaching out? Uh, Do you have a waiting list uh, for these uh, females of a certain kind or what, how would, how would somebody go about that? You know, um, our business is dependent mostly on word of mouth. We have a Facebook page, and I'm not a I'm not opposed to sharing my phone number. But uh, the other thing that we've done is we decided to capitalize off the front end heifers by having a sale um, in Nebraska, and we've teamed up with a couple other producers, and we take the front end mostly AI'd heifers and sell them in a multi-breed sale in Southern Nebraska there in December. And uh, that we're working on that. That's kind of in the early stages. We've, uh, we've had our second one this last December mm-hmm. and we had excellent response. We had a lot of bre- uh, a lot of producers from Kansas, Oklahoma, South Dakota, North Dakota, Iowa, Wyoming, Colorado. It was unbelievable uh, as many people. And we're getting a lot of good feedback from those heifers are being calved out right now. So we're going to focus on having that sale and having that operation grow. Uh, but also we've got a Facebook page and we market individual lots on there as they come available. Uh, but a, a lot of my customers um, have been with me since the beginning and they'll have neighbors that want them, you know. And so that that's uh, that's mostly how we've got to where we are with our sales. Yep. So. You know, you mentioned those baldy heifers, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how you use her for genetics. Um, I guess not only in your, your heifer development program, but also you said you, you help uh, a lot of folks AI, you know, in the, in the spring and, and through the summer there. And so, you know, let's bridge the gap a little bit before we get into your own commercial operation, but, and maybe it all ties together, but let's let's just jump in and and talk about where Hereford fits um for your multifaceted operation and where you're seeing your customers of your heifers uh that that they're buying where it fits for them and you know Shane I get really excited when we start talking about this part even if we weren't 
if I wasn't talking with the Hereford Association right now, I'm a big uh, promoter of the Hereford in the heifer program for two reasons. One, we buy the best black Angus heifers we can buy. Mm -hmm. And, and we breed those back to a Hereford. And I have a customer that buys between 50 and 200 every year. And those calves, I went back and sorted through those heifers two weeks ago. And they have all their cows have all the cows, mature cows, heifers were in that same pan. And I could go through and sort the top end out of them. And almost a third of them came out of our heifers as first calf heifers. And that's, that's really given accolades to the Hereford breed because those heifers are usually a hundred pounds back. They look immature. They just have that uh, first calf look to them. And these were some of the front end calves in a pan of 600. And so I really pushed the Hereford on Angus for that first calf. And, and uh, we really have had a lot of success. There used to be a stig, kind of a stigma that went with breeding a heifer to a Hereford and it's funny how we've worked through that. Now we have people asking us, well, what do you have on the Hereford side that we can put in these black heifers so that we could uh, increase our calves value? And that's where we've really been able to facilitate that need through the Hereford side. Hybrid vigor is a wonderful thing. And uh, it's it's been well documented and it's uh, it's showing up big time, uh, sounds like, in your uh, in that operation and you know, the health and the vigor of those calves, uh, right away and the pounds, uh, that you're getting, um, definitely sounds as a benefit. You know, we've got a, uh, a lot of customers now last summer probably was the, uh, most Hereford semen that I've sold on our breeding business side to commercial, uh, customers that have never bred to a Hereford bull before or have never owned a Hereford bull but have seen other people do it and seen our program and say, Hey, I'd like to try that. And, and once they do, they're hooked for life. Once they get into that side and they see that black baldy calf, not just because of the appeal of the baldy, but just because of how much stouter, how much deeper bodied and the hybrid vigor you talk about those calves outperform the, the standard English breed calves all the way through, especially the guys that are loading a calf and putting them on a truck in the fall, they want a heifer that's going to breed back and, and wean a calf that's not going to, you know, take a discount when it gets on the truck. And those calves will get on the truck and you have a hard time sorting them. Um, it's amazing to me how far that's come. But uh, we, we really promote several bulls. And uh, I also sell semen for ABS. I'm a rep for ABS. And they're probably tired of hearing about it from me, but I constantly sell them Hereford bulls to go look at. If I find something I like in a catalog or something I think they have a need for, um, I'm constantly pushing them towards a new bull, a new genetic line that we can use on that side, you know, to, to help these commercial producers have more choices. That's outstanding. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, refreshing to hear that. Uh, you wouldn't have to go back too many years where – you know, there wasn't very many uh, bulls in, in some of these bull stud uh, uh, lineups that uh, could even work for heifers. And uh, now there's there's quite a few, you know, across uh, all the all the breeding firms that uh, you can you can select uh, Hereford genetics that can uh, have a successful first calf uh, out of a heifer and uh, hit the ground running. So it's a testament to our our breeders 
it's a testament to her membership with the dedication they've put on selection uh, and still keeping them good. That's that's the one thing I appreciate about what you you said there, you know, on those calves is that, uh, you know, Hereford can deliver all the, the genetic merits, but also their cattle that have the doability, uh, their cattle that have the, the thickness that uh, any order buyer is going to appreciate. And so that's that's really neat. Appreciate you sharing that. You know, I showed up at an operation the other day, a pretty a pretty large operation as a uh, uh, prospect for our breeding business the other day in southern Colorado. And, and I asked him, what do you want to do with these calves? And I did not know their program at all. We've bred some cattle down there. They have a little grow yard and uh, that uh, some of our customers are in, but I wasn't familiar with their program. But they've seen what we're doing on the other side, so they decided to uh, have a conversation with us. And I asked him, what do you want to do with these calves? And he said, you know what? I want to raise replacement heifers out of our first calf heifers. And I said, you know, a good place to start on your black heifers is with the Herefords. And he said, we're already doing it. Mm-hmm. He said, that's what our program is. And I said, really? Well, I've got some bulls you need to look at. And we end up getting a deal together to breed several hundred heifers to Hereford. And that's exactly what they do. He drove me through his cows and those cows have all originated out of a first calf heifer. That that's their program. And um, every breedable heifer that comes out of the first calf heifers is makes a mature cow in that place. And you would never believe how, uh, how much that's come. The stigma that used to come with, you can't keep a heifer out of a first calf heifer, you know, or you got to breed them to something, just get the calf out. And now we, uh, a really reputable breeder has switched his whole program over. And now he has this beautiful black baldy cow herd that's originated out of these first calf heifers. So that was exciting for me to know, because as a, as a producer myself and someone who's trying to promote that side of it, to see somebody who's been doing that for several years and getting along is really encouraging um, that I think this deal has grabbed hold for a while and it's going to keep going into the future because that's, that's the, everybody wants a black baldy cow. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that, Anton. I mean, uh, you're seeing that with your customers that you're selling heifer, bred heifers to, uh, you guys in your own operation have maximized the black baldy cow. So why, why do you think that baldy female is so sought after, you know, we, we, we covered the direct heterosis piece just initially of what you get with that calf, but why is she really working, you know, in that area where you're at? You know, I think uh, where we live here in Eastern Colorado, it's pretty arid. You know, this is a high plains area and our moisture is hit and miss. I mean, we'll go three years of drought and then we'll have a really wet year. So it takes a special cow to make it all the way through those ups and downs. Um, our ideal cow is about 1300 pounds with a good foot underneath her with moderate milk and will breed up early every year and will last for 10 or 12 years. And we have those cows. And what I've found with the baldy cows that we have, when we first started doing this, I'll go step back a little bit. When we first started breeding our black cows to Hereford, I wanted a cow that was easier fleshing because we run on corn stalks and after feed in the wintertime. And I did not want to have to supplement those cows to the max all winter. You know, we wanted to watch our overhead. We wanted to minimize inputs. And so we 
we wanted a breed that would work on those black cows. It was easier flushing, was really fertile, would add value to our steer calves at the time. Mind you, this is when we first got started. Mm-hmm. I wanted to add value to the steer calves and I wanted to, uh, I wanted something that was going to last for a really long time. So I wasn't having fallouts out of my herd every year. And so when we started doing our research, I, it came together pretty fast. My family had ran Herefords uh, back in the day and, uh, you know, had kind of got away from them. But I had been seeing what these black baldy cows that a few of my neighbors were running um, looked like all the time. And their black cattle would be thin. And these baldy cows right next to them were super fleshy. And I couldn't understand. Well, when I, uh, when I kept my first set of black baldy heifers, I had zero opens out of that group. And then I kicked those cows out on corn stalks in the winters coming three-year-olds. And when we gathered those, they outweighed the black cattle by 150 pounds wow. on the same forage. And the black cattle didn't go backwards, but those heifers were so easy flushing. It was almost to their detriment that they were, they were roly poly when we came in. We're like, you know, we didn't hardly protein these cows. It was an easy winter. And I said, you know, we're headed in the direction I want to head. And so when we started breeding those black cows to Herefords, we wanted to add value to our steers. But what we really found is that our black baldy heifers were outstanding in every aspect. And so when we, when we moved our program forward, we started to add more Hereford into our AI and clean up with more Hereford and, and start to completely move away from, from just the straight Angus or black cattle that we had. And I, I think that baldy cow that we have now will outlast another cow by three to four years. Um, it, and their feet structure is so good and they're utter. And, and I've just really been happy with how that's all turned out. That's phenomenal. I mean, that, that statement right there, three to four more years, uh, we hear that a lot on the bull side is that these Hereford bulls just last so long. Um, you know, the various breeding seasons that they're in and, uh, it's, uh, it follows right through to that female, you know, she's, uh, she's easier to maintain. And so she's easier to breed and, um, more pounds of calf, uh, weaned out of that cow over her lifetime is profitability and in a producer's pocket and so that uh that's a pretty strong statement and it it matches up with some of the work that dr lawman at oklahoma states conducted uh showing um the baldy female consumed two less pounds of feed per day uh, over that period and she was a half a body condition score fleshier at the end of that study. And so it matches up exactly with, with what you're, you're talking about. So the efficiency, uh, is there and it's real and it matters a lot, particularly now you guys are dry. Uh, there's a big part of the country that's extremely dry right now. And it's not like feeds cheap, is it? You know, I tell you the economics on this ranching side right now are, are, uh, very interesting. We have inputs at maximum levels. The commodity side is so high. The fuel side is soaring through the roof. And so it's going to make the producers sit down, sharpen their pencil, and figure out which cows are making money and which ones aren't. And I've found that 
the cow that requires less inputs and raises the biggest calf is pretty simple math to figure out. And so when we have, when we get into these drought situations, it's pretty easy for me, if we've got to trim numbers, it's pretty easy for me to run a sort gate. Because we we run a straight black side and we run a baldy side. I mean, that's where our program is to have the true F1 females. But when it comes down to it, um, those cows are going to get you through the hard times way better than the, than any other cows that we've had. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we're headed into, you know, $758 corn. All Everything else is going to chase corn. Hay, uh, distillers, all of that is, is going to be at maximum levels for the next, I don't know what the duration is with the way things are going on. We've got to find a way to minimize inputs and to have a high converting cow is, is definitely a way to do it. Well, that's, uh, that's exciting. And, you know, uh, we're certainly glad that you found, uh, her for genetics, uh, can deliver that. And you've been able to find the genetics that work for you, you know, the best and in, in that, uh, in, in all aspects of your operation. So, you know, to kind of wrap up Anton, what, what's the future for Hermes livestock and, and where do you see your operation, you know, developing into even more? Well, um, the future is unknown around here with the way this drought is, but uh, um, we're always adding cow numbers and heifer numbers and adding on to the feed yard. And we're we're headed in a trajectory to where this, uh, when my kids are old enough to take over, we want to be able to sustain any of them that want to stick around. And I think that this uh, cow deal is about ready to make a run. I think markets, I think bred animals are about ready to be at, at exceptional levels. This deal is primed for a run, and we want to be positioned for that. And the other thing that we don't give up on on adding numbers is quality. And with, whether it's picking bulls or or genetics or using a, a new sire out of the semen tank or purchasing heifers that we want to keep for ourselves to change our genetics up, you know, we want front-end quality genetics. And I think that's what people appreciate about the Hermes livestock side is that they know they're going to get a quality product. And, and it doesn't matter if it's meat on a plate or if it's a cow in your pen, they want quality. And that's what we're trying to achieve trying to be progressive with that. And um, luckily I've worked with some really good seed stock producers that have helped me along the way and have helped me find the genetics that work in this part of the country. And I'm going to continue working with them and uh, hopefully we can put a good product out to a bred female and that everybody in the country can be happy with. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of piqued my interest there and and, uh, so in closing, you know, you're, when you're selecting, uh, Hereford bulls to go into your operation, what are your top three selection criteria? Um, EPD phenotype, uh, what, what would they be? And it's probably different selecting them for, you know, heifers versus cows, but, uh, what it do you is, have? uh, that is different. Uh, you know, that's funny to say that when I first started, I bought two Hereford bulls the first year I decided I want some black female or some baldy females. And I bought two 137 Y sons 
And I thought that would be perfect. And I didn't care about the EPDs. I just wanted two Hereford bulls to kick on my cows. Well, I did not do a very good job of moderating frame size or milk. And so I had an excellent heifer, but she got bigger than what we wanted in this area. So I've done a, been really diligent about finding a moderate framed Hereford bull with a lot of rib, a big back leg, and a good hoof set that I know will hold up out here in these conditions. And I really want, I want a bull that I know can breed 30 cows. And so when I study leg structure, I really want something I know is going to be able to cover a lot of cows. And I also pretty moderate on our milk. You know, some parts of the country, probably where you're at and even east to get a lot of rainfall, they can handle a little bit more milk. But some of our cows, we have pastures that they're going to have to walk three miles to get a drink of water. And that's hard for some people to fathom. But that bull's got to walk three miles too, but that cow can't have a big bag swinging between her back legs and get all the way to the water tank and back to where the feed's good. So um, we really moderate our milk, something in the 25 range. The other thing we've done is on the heifer side, we've really been um, buying bulls with pigment. Uh, we've, we're really focusing on buying bulls with good eye pigment and dark red and trying to really get a good baldy heifer that has some uh, facial coloring. That seems to be the direction everybody wants to head. So I, I guess in closing, that's kind of what, that's kind of what I'm looking for in a Hereford bull, a uh, moderate stout bull that I know can cover a lot of country and cover a lot of cows with a big scrotal and is going to make a really nice female, a good neck, good head. And, and that's, I'm pretty particular as some of the, Seed stock guys that we buy bulls from will tell you that um, um, I'm pretty particular. We can go sort through a lot of bulls, but uh, they've got to be good looking and and hold up around here. Well, reputation's a big part of it, and uh, you've obviously created uh, you know quite a reputation through your program, and uh, you can't give up on that. And I don't think uh, any producer should give up on the quality aspect uh, when when purchasing genetics and turning those over and, and making them better. So appreciate your comment on that. And, uh, we certainly appreciate your time, uh, sharing with us, uh, how Hereford genetics have worked for you. And it sounds like how they're going to continue to work f uh, for you, um, through future generations. So thanks a lot for your time today, Anton. Um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, our next episode will be coming to you for 1881 here in a couple weeks. Uh, we're going to do another uh, episode uh, with Jack Ward and myself, uh, giving a little bit of an update uh, here at the association and what's going on. We've got a lot of exciting things happening right now. And so we thought we'd share a little bit of that information with you um, as we go right into the spring uh um, session here. We're, we're right in a tremendous bull cell season. Uh, it's been uh, remarkable for Hereford genetics. And so we'll share a little bit about that. And we've got, uh, a lot of good things happening here at the association. So we look forward to you tuning in, uh, next time, uh, here in a couple weeks, uh, to visit about some association updates. And then, uh, later on in March, uh, uh we're going to have the opportunity to, to visit with a couple of breeders, uh, about their programs and uh, uh, the rich history of their programs. So look forward to you joining us again, and, and thanks for listening uh, as well. If you have uh, continued ideas and thoughts about uh, who we can have on our podcast or things you'd like to share, 
uh, just shoot uh, Taylor Bell or myself an email or a message. Thanks for tuning in to the American Hereford Association's podcast, 1881, with host Shane Bedwell. For more information, visit Hereford.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.